The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 144 for March 3rd, 2008. <laughs> Greetings, folks. Welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton here with John Braun. How are you, John? Good, Dave. How are you? I'm good. So we had a we we had an interesting week. You know, every week uh, as we finish up the show, we say, you know, tomorrow might be the day Apple might release those new MacBook Pros. And uh, you know, I got to my desk and there were like six emails and uh, you know a bunch of notes in on Twitter saying uh, the store's been down for a couple hours. And sure enough, uh, when it came back up, those new MacBook Pros were uh, were there. And I promptly set about ordering one, and I know you did too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so it, mine actually arrived today, uh, but I really haven't had time to mess with it a whole lot. I am, and I know yours hasn't arrived yet at all, John. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about kind of the ordering process and the thought process behind why we ordered what we ordered. Uh, and then next week, uh, I'm going to be down in Austin for South by Southwest and traveling. It's always more challenging to do a show, uh, where we play listener comments and blend all that stuff in because I'm not here in the uh, the podcast console, if you will. So perhaps next week we can do a show while I'm in in Austin, and we can we can talk about uh, our experiences with our new machines. But uh, but for now, uh, let's talk about what we ordered. Now, it funnily enough, we we both actually ordered almost exactly the same thing. So John, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us what you got? And this will lead to another discussion. So yes, um, 15 inch. Uh, and the higher end machine, because what I wanted to get um, was the ex- extended VRAM. But then I figured, you know, I want to bump it up a little too. So I got the uh, 2.6 option, yep. which was a few hundred more. Um, I got the glossy screen just because, you know, ever since I've been using uh, Dell with a 17 inch uh, glossy screen, I actually like it, it. You know, the color looks nicer and it's brighter and all that. I mean, you do lose a little something having an anti-glare, but it is anti-glare. So it, it really depends on if you if you can you know, deal with it. Some people look over my shoulder and say, how can you stand that? And I'm like, stand what? Because I just tune it out. So, right. But some people, the glare will drive them insane. So, um, got the two gigs of Ram because I don't really want to pay a premium to get special Apple Ram, which I don't think is, is special. Uh, and then I went for size. I got the 250 gig 5,400 drive. I think there was a 27200 RPM drive, but I, I opted for space. And then the rest is uh, pretty standard, except I, I got the remote because I've never had a machine with an Apple remote. There you go. Yeah, so I, I ordered almost exactly the same thing. I, I did go with the 2.6. Now, I had, uh, you know, I, I was a, an ADC member, so am an ADC member, uh, because I bought it along with the, my WWDC pass last year. That's one of those shows where we don't get press access. I don't think anyone does. Uh, at least we don't. So I... But what that did was it got me a hardware discount. So my, you know, $400 ADC discount uh, netted me a hardware discount that with the MacBook Pro and I actually bought a, a time capsule, a terabyte time capsule that we'll talk about too. But the two of them together, uh, it's I saved almost 600 bucks. So it totally paid for the ADC membership. Um, the, uh, the, the new MacBook Pro that I got, same, same deal as John. I was going to go with the 2.4, then saw that it was half the VRAM of the 2.5. I do plug it into a cinema display for the most part at my desk. So I figured, you know, 
uh, let's just bump it up. We're getting the discount anyway. So I bumped it up to the two five. And then at that point it was a couple hundred bucks to go to the two six and why not? Right. Uh, so I, I did that. I, I did the same thing as you, John. I, I bought it with the base Ram. I would have bought it with no Ram if I could have, um, but, uh, bought it with that. And then, and then, uh, bought, uh, third party Ram. I bought the two gig kit from Otherworld computing. I think you did exactly the same thing. Yeah. And, and both do the, uh, trade, trade back. Yeah, so OWC's got this great thing. You pay 90, I think it was 95 bucks, 95, 98, I think is what it came to. Uh, and they send you two 2 gig chips. You'd pull out your two 1 gig chips out of the uh, out of the MacBook Pro that Apple sends you, and then you send those chips back to OWC and they'll give you 10 bucks a piece. So it costs you 75 bucks to upgrade the machine from 2 gigs to 4 gigs of RAM, and that's a no-brainer to me. So so that's what I did. I opted for the matte screen or the non-glossy screen, which interestingly enough is the default now. It was not mm-hmm. prior. I think that that has switched. I, I was on the fence about it while I was kind of putting the order together. And, and the thing that really pushed me over the edge was I realized, you know, I'm going to have this thing sitting right next to my cinema display all day to have one glossy screen and one not glossy screen. That will drive me crazy. So uh, that that was the, the deciding factor for me. So that's it. You want to, uh, uh, let's see. Uh, so you ordered it. You ordered a time capsule as well. Is that right, John? A, a terabyte? Yeah. yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, just, uh, uh, hit Alaska. So, uh, so it's coming. So yeah, you and I both got the, uh, the same one. So I should yep. have that by the end of the week. Hopefully my machine by the end of the week, uh, I did get the extra battery and the, uh, world travel adapter kit. Yeah. I opted for the, uh, the faster shipping, which I guess for stuff that's located in the U S it, probably makes sense because one of my items shipped uh west coast and one east coast um but the computers it doesn't seem to really impact though i probably ordered when the demand was starting to build right dave yeah i ordered mine within an hour of them uh being live on the store and uh, mine shipped i think friday early early friday morning late thursday night and obviously arrived here today now i chose standard shipping uh and it was because I'd remembered in the past that stuff coming from the factories overseas, it doesn't seem to matter what kind of shipping you choose. It all gets shipped international priority, uh, direct distribution, I believe. And, uh, I think you, you saw the same thing, right, John? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, last week we had along these, is there, is there anything else specifically with regards to these machines that we want to talk about, John? No, no, I think we covered our, our, rationale i think we, we yeah. may talk a little later about some more philosophy behind that okay cool yeah uh so there was there was a, a question that we answered last week and i think we i think we confuse things a little I, i'm gonna i'm gonna play one audio comment we got many many emails and audio comments about this so i i, I know we confuse things a little bit let's uh let's play the comment then we'll talk about it hi john and dave I was just listening to your advice on whether to get a faster CPU or more RAM in a new Mac. And I wanted to lend a, a little bit of advice that I give my, my uh, customers, and that is uh, the CPU can't be changed in a lot of these devices. And Apple charges phenomenally high prices for their RAM. And it's not that difficult to swap. So I always say get the fastest CPU you can afford. In fact, if Apple could take the RAM out of the machine and take $200 off, I'd be happy with that, too, because you can buy four gigs of the RAM for that much. Have a nice day. Yeah, and, and I think 
as is evidenced by what the path John and I took here, we, we agree. Um, what that question we answered last week was if you had to pick one or the other, what's going to be the thing that gives you the most speed or efficiency on your Mac. And at that point, I think both correct me if I'm wrong, John, but to me, I certainly believe that Ram is going to buy you more in the day to day stuff than, than CPU speed will. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, but you're right. When ordering a new machine, yeah, don't buy Apple's RAM. I, I, I certainly won't. Um, I, you know, and, and, and I, I know you didn't either, John. And, and I agree. If, if you can afford both, well, then do both. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have anything you want to add there, John? Um, you know, as far as, uh, and I think uh, we, we toss this around a bit and actually I have a benchmark here in front of me, but it, you know, I'm looking at the, the, the relative benchmark scores that you get with the, the new line of machines. And when you look, I mean, the benchmarks, it, I mean, they get better as you get faster. Um, so, you know, buy as much as you can afford, but if, if you want to shave a couple of, I don't know. So I guess I'd. Say it depends, because, uh, I mean, you saw these benchmarks here, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about a Macworld article? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. Buy it if, if, if you can. There you go. The extra. But I guess in our case also, the, well, the one deciding factor is that the VRAM was not flexible. Right. And then That's you right. couldn't get, like, the slowest clock speed and lots of VRAM, so... Yeah, and that, that's why there's that $500 retail difference between the 2.4 15-inch and the 2.5 15-inch. It's not just, you know, 0.1 gigahertz or 100 megahertz to you and me. It's, uh, it, it's that you're going up with, uh, with the yeah. amount of VRAM. So. And I think Apple does that just to make life um, maybe not easier for the customer, or maybe, but easier for them. Because, uh, well, you remember the battle days when there were like, you know, 100 different models of... Uh, uh, desktop Max or what were they then? The Scully and Emilio days, the Performa, the Performa days. The Performas, yes. I think some of the 030 machines where they had the Performa 520 and 530 and seven. <laughs> I think there were a hundred models at one point. It was just, it was crazy. So, uh, yeah. you know, kudos to the current team for simplifying it. Um, yeah. And I guess, you know, if you're going to get more VRAM, you probably want more processor. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. One, one or the other, I think they're just lumping it together. Really. I think it's trying to get it, you know, that under $2,000, uh, price point and then move up from there. And if you're willing to move up, okay, well now it's clear you want, you want more stuff. All right. Uh, our first sponsor for this show is smile on my Mac at smile on my Mac.com and their product PDF pen. Now PDF pen is a $50 utility. It allows you to go out and, pretty much massage the heck out of any PDF that you have or any files that you have. Uh, you can take multiple PDFs, pull pages out, reorder them. Uh, you know, I, I, I've talked about it before. I use it constantly. I used it at least twice today uh, to take my signature and paste it into a, a form instead of having to print it and sign it and scan it back in. Uh, really, really handy utility. Of course, it was uh, a Mac Observer Editor's Choice Award at Macworld Expo, and uh, and we were happy to give that to him. And uh, and I don't know if you've ever had to deal with Smile on my Mac support, John, but anytime I've written them, even when they didn't know, you know, I, even even if I didn't play the Do You Know Who I Am card, 
Uh, they've always been very, very helpful to me. And, and uh, they actually sent a bunch of testimonials from, from other customers showing that I'm not the only one. And, uh, and that's a good thing. It, customer support is a very important thing. And, and they take that very seriously there, too. Smileonmymac.com PDF pen for $49.95. And, uh, of course, you can download a free trial by visiting smileonmymac.com. Uh, so last week, John, we were in the middle of the show and, uh, and I got a phone call that I just had to take. Right. And it was about that iMac. And you know, I, I did not come off that call very happy because the iMac that would not die. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's kind of an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. Uh, You know, so I was really kind of upset because those Apple engineers, you know, the tier two, I got to tier two tech support. They actually took the case to the Apple engineers. The Apple engineers were looked at it, sat on it, whatever they did for five days. Then they gave some answers back to tier two and it was tier two that called me. And, you know, the the answers were cop out answers. And I was really kind of upset by this. And so the next day I decided, you know, I know the path to take here and I'm going to take it. So I called the main Apple number the next morning. And I asked for customer relations, not customer support, customer relations. Mm-hmm. And I got a customer relations staffer and I told him, I said, look, uh, you know, I've got this case number. I want to, I want to go through this with you. And uh, so the woman was great. She took the case. Now these people are like customer service ninjas. Okay. You could, and I didn't, but you could scream and yell at these people all day long. And they, Oh yeah. Thank you, Mr. Hamilton. That's great. You know, we, we, we really appreciate the thoughts you have about my mother and you know, that whole thing, right? They're totally fine with that stuff. Masters at customer service. You, you can't shake these people, but that's good, right? Every company needs these kind of people. So, Uh, You know, I called him and I explained the situation, showed him the case number. And my goal at that point was to simply get their machine replaced. And the reason is I don't care how many motherboards were replaced in that iMac. I don't think it would ever work properly with an iSight connected because the iSight's a flawed device. But Apple doesn't have a non-flawed iSight type device. And so I figured, you know what? This machine's been through the ringer. It's been to repair three or more times. And I believe that's the magic number from all the research I've done. And, uh, and I thought, you know, let's just get this done because I'm fighting with it and, and they're jerking me around. So called customer relations, explained all this to them, showed them that, yes, I, I took this path and I've been happy to deal with it. And I said, look, at this point, I'm happy to go one more round with your engineers But frankly, I don't think they have anything more to offer because the answers that they gave me were cop-out answers. And I explained that. I said, at this point, it seems to me the only reasonable solution is to replace the machine. That didn't come out accidentally. Uh, I did not wait for them to suggest to replace the machine. I didn't fish around for it. I stated it specifically because I know that's how it works there. You have to do that. If, If you believe, if you have a machine that A, has Apple Care on it, that's the important part, B, has been replaced, or, or not replaced, repaired three or more times with hardware issues, and uh, still has an ongoing problem, then you can, you know, th- that, that's their criteria for replacement. I also believe that, you know, it being uh, a, a machine that you use every day, explaining that it's critical to what you do, uh, that certainly doesn't hurt. So I explained all this to them. I was truthful about it, but I wasn't waiting for them to suggest yeah, yeah, go ahead. Maybe maybe we should replace it. I told him I wanted to replace it. The woman said, she clarified. She said, okay, in your mind, the only acceptable solution is to replace the machine. I said, that's right. She said, give me five minutes. I was on hold, you know, happy ha-ha music, whatever it was. Come back, 
And uh, she says, you know, I've reviewed your case. No problem. We'll replace the machine now. And here's the rub. We don't replace the machine with a refurb. Now, this was a G5 20-inch iMac. She replaced it with, it was a 2 gigahertz G5 20-inch iMac. So she replaced it with a 2 gigahertz iMac. It just so happens that it's the aluminum variety with a Core 2 Duo in it. And, of course, the built-in eyesight. So that sort of bypasses all the issues that I had. And now that machine actually is right here. It's the one that uh, hopefully, if all is going well, is recording this podcast for us. So uh, it's... uh, it, it all worked out fine. I ordered that machine about, well, not ordered, but got that process in place about three or four hours after I ordered my MacBook Pro. That machine arrived the very next day, ready to go, uh, no problem, and then I just shipped the other one back to him. So it, 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 it is important to understand how valuable Apple Care can be uh, when you've got a machine that's having problems or if you're having problems with a machine. So, it, you know, that that alone makes Apple Care worthwhile. And the beautiful part is Apple Care is not over. They'll actually give me a credit for the Apple Care uh, for the remainder uh, of the period that I didn't use. You still with me, John? Yep. I love Apple Care. It's mm-hmm. always been good to me. Yeah, I had a similar uh, path because, yeah, we went back and forth each time. And, uh, yeah, at one point it was like, you know, you're losing money every second you're talking to me. You realize this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's Plus, you kind of have to solve my problem. And uh, yeah, so he, I, I had a tech who, you know, saw a reasonable path here. Yep. Yep. So uh, yeah, no, they're pretty good. Um, so yeah, Apple Care, And I guess uh, you've noted, Dave, that there are quite a few places you can get it. Yeah, I've, I've never bought Apple Care from Apple. Uh, you know, on a laptop, I think it's 350 bucks from Apple, which is to me, you know, that's a lot of money. Um, I've always bought it from a company called Expercom at expercom.com and, uh, and they, they have Apple care for laptops for two seventy nine, So that's $80 less than, than what you'd pay for Apple. It's the same Apple care. What you get is you buy it from Expercom and they ship you a, a, a boxed kit. And really all that the box kit has in it, that's valuable. I guess it's got tech tool pro and all that or tech tool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then of course the magic number that you then go online and register with Apple and that enhances the uh, security or the support path on your, uh, on your system. Now, Apple care also covers the airport extreme, any airport extreme cards that you buy any airport express or airport extreme base stations, um, mm-hmm. a time capsule, and, it, and then, of course, if you have an, a MacBook Air with a SuperDrive and or Apple RAM, and if you have a laptop and you buy it with an Apple monitor, it covers that, too. So uh, Apple Care is pretty far reaching and it's pretty cool if you, you know, if you bought an airport uh, extreme base station last year and you buy a computer this year uh, and you put Apple Care on it, it actually goes back and covers that that base station. So it can be very, very helpful. Yeah, I, I actually so I opted to buy it because I, I bought it under a, an employee discount program. I think the same thing. Yeah. An edu- educational discount is, I think they just automatically do it because I haven't, I, I don't know if I'm going to get a certificate or something, but, uh, you know, since they obviously know the serial number of the machine, they can uh, do all, all at the same time. So I'll have to see what happens if I, if I get anything in the mail. Yeah. Or at some point, yeah. maybe when I register it or something. All right. You know, la- last week, John, we talked about sparse images mm-hmm. and Scott Barman explained what the sparse image was and how it grows. And I started wondering, you know, I, I keep a lot of my documents. I've kind of just dis- distributed my uh, my 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 main documents folder and I store it on my iDisk. And 
what I do with that is I have my IDIS set to sync on all the computers that I use here. So I have my documents folder. It just magically exists on all my machines. It's really, really cool. And it actually works very well uh, for me anyway. But I started wondering, okay, well, how is that data getting backed up? I know that the way it works is the iDisk cloning uh, is stored as a sparse image. I think it's in uh, home library file sync. And then there's a sparse bundle in there. Uh, you know, how does this work? Well, apparently Time Machine backs up that sparse bundle. But even if you change files within the bundle, it doesn't re-back up the entire thing. It actually backs it up in slices. And the most, uh, the, the, the largest slice is eight megabytes. So if you're only changing a couple of files on there, you're not backing up the whole thing over and over again. You're just backing up that slice. Now, if you want to go into your, your, uh, your sparse bundle and pull files out, you can't, you have to recover the entire sparse bundle from whatever backup point you want and then open it like any other disk image and pull the files out. So it's, it's not quite perfect in that regard, but it is backing up different iterations of your sparse bundle um, without actually backing up, you know, multiple gigabyte files every single time. Mm. So, um, so I, I just, I, you know, I, I thought that was, I thought that was kind of interesting to, uh, to find out. And I wanted to, I wanted to share that. You got that's like geek meter, I think. I, I think it does peg the geek meter. I like pegging the geek meter. All right. So uh, let's pick another meter, John, and, uh, and tell them about uh, our, our second sponsor for this show is audible. Of course, uh, the magic link is audiblepodcast.com slash Mac geek gab. And uh, that'll get you. A two-week free trial and one free audiobook, and I think John, you you went and uh, and found us a, an audiobook to uh, to talk about this time. But it's not for everybody, okay? I'll have to warn you. Uh, okay, <laughs> this is this is for the wee ones. <laughs> what I found is that they have. So I searched around. I'm like, you know, how how extensive is their collection? And I found the Cat in the Hat by Dr. Seuss. That's Let's awesome. See. Oh, Kelsey Grammer reads it, and oh, okay. Should, I recognize should we listen to Kelsey Grammer? Our, yeah, our, our friend Fraser from Cheers and, and Fraser. Okay. Let's see what do we have here. I thought we had it. You know, sometimes audio hijack. Uh, maybe I'm not the right guy to uh, to manage things here. What do we have? Yeah, we've got it hijacked. Should be working. Nothing. Yep. All right. Well, uh, we'll let that go. Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's what you get for live. Uh, Live to tape, folks. All right. Well, you can go to audible.com uh, and listen to this. Kelsey reads the cat in the hat for you. Uh, but audiblepodcast.com slash MacGeekGab is the place that you'd go if you actually want to download this book for free. Thanks, John. Kids will love it. The, the, I, I love that. I think it's great. If, uh, no, I think it's one of, one of the timeless uh, kids' tales. <clears throat> I agree. All right, uh, we have an email. Moving on to the, the standard section of the show. Uh, yeah. We have an email from Jim, and Jim writes, Okay, another .Mac syncing problem. I usually can figure these issues out, but I am syncing between several computers, three to be exact, and everything syncs just fine with the exception of a dress book. Now, I don't know if using Bento is screwing things up or what, but Calendar, Yojimbo, Soho Notes, etc. all sync just fine. Address book doesn't. Any ideas on this one? All right. Uh, you have any any thoughts on this before I dig into my crazy uh, .dot max sync mojo? 
Um, yeah, what I'm going to say is that, uh, well, I think the, uh, the there was a suggestion uh, in here that Bento may be doing something. Okay. Um, yeah, the only thing I suggest there is that there is, uh, every now and then, and I think this is kind of a funny thing, I, I hate to pick on a FileMaker and Bento, um, but um, if you look at this, the, the, there's a version, there has been a version update, and what I think is funny about a lot of updates is they'll, They'll say things here like updates include and like here's what here's a line that caught my eye improves file import which to me well what does that mean Dave? Uh, well that means that it didn't work before <laughs> or, or worked in some strange and unpredictable manner. Some or, yeah some less than optimal fashion. Issues related to yeah and there's several of those but uh, you know kudos to them for updating it. So uh, the first thing is that you know a lot of times an app will ask you do you want me to phone home or right uh, all that but um. Yeah, sometimes, I mean, you know, they, they may uh, do weird things like import or export and maybe kind of scramble the data a little bit. So, but I'll let you uh, go, go at a deeper level. Well, yeah, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a .max sync guy. I, I live that way. And uh, so there's a, there's a couple of things you got to do. First is you got to notice that there's a problem. And, and this is my one gripe with, well, <laughs> not my one. I make it sound like there's only one. This is one of my gripes with .max sync is that it doesn't tell you when it has any problems. In fact, the only way you'd know if there was a problem is a to notice that something's not syncing right, which really is almost too late. Uh, or B, if you go and look at a, a, there's a log file. Now you can do this from the terminal if you're so inclined, or you can do it from the console application and the log is in home, which is the tilde slash library slash logs slash sync slash dot mac sync dot log and this log's pretty helpful it it's a uh, fairly plain english and you can you can sort of look through it and get a feel for how it's working if there's a problem it's going to tell you and and it's pretty verbose about it without being overly chatty so uh it, this is the place to look but if you're having a problem the, the thing that i found is find the machine that has the data most like what you want the other machines to have Go to uh, system preferences on that machine, go to .Mac, go to advanced, and uh, click the button that says reset sync data. Now, at that point, you have a couple of choices. You can pick what sync data you're going to reset, and you get to pick which direction. So at this, for, for this particular problem, only choose address book and tell it to replace the data on .Mac with the data from this computer. And it's pretty clearly spelled out, but before you click the magic button, Take a step back, look at it, read it, make sure you haven't got it backwards. Cause if you do, there's no going back at that point, unless you, you know, of course, backed it up with time machine or whatever, whatever it is you, you choose to back things up with. Uh, but at that point, then it'll go through, then the rest of your machines will pop up alerts and say, uh, the address books data, address book data on dot Mac has been reset. Do you want to merge it or do you just want to replace what we have here? And I always choose replace what we have here to just kind of push the, the change all the way through. Usually that's enough to uh, to get things rolling again for another, you know, four to six weeks until until it just stops and mysteriously stops again. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's uh, that's the way it seems to roll. Uh, all right. Well, I'm sort of uh, apprehensive about moving on to Don's question, not because I don't think we have a good answer. Actually, I'm very eager to hear uh, you tell us your answer on this, John. My my concern is that if Dr. Seuss's cat in the hat didn't want to play. I'm worried that iTunes might not. So we're going to click this button and see what happens. Hey. Hey, John and Dave. Great show, as always. 
Uh, this is Don from Ohio uh, calling with a quick question. I've got a uh, an iMac that has a 500 gigabyte internal hard drive in that I just recently put Leopard on, and I'm looking to use Time Machine. So this last weekend I just picked up a uh, Western Digital MyBook, uh, not the World Edition, just the standard My uh, MyBook uh, Western Digital hard drive that's a gigabyte in size. Plugged it into the USB port. I didn't get firewire. I got firewire. I got USB. I plugged it into the USB port and went to disk utility on the uh, on the Mac. Initially, it didn't mount, and I didn't see my little icon on my desktop that it was mounted. So, in disk utility, it was recognized, and of course, it was formatted in the MS uh, DOS format. So, where my problem came is when I went in and I selected the uh, the volume and I tried to format it to uh, the Mac Journal uh, initially, um, and then all the different Mac uh, format options, the Journal didn't work. It, initially, what happens when I say erase? It starts the process, and about 10 seconds into it, it pops up and it says there was an error in uh, formatting this drive. When I then go back in, it's still formatted as the MS-DOS format. When I go back in and partition it into just under 500 gigs into two partitions, I'm able to format those partitions fine. So my question is, is there something I need to do special to, to keep that as a one gigabyte partition? I'd like to use it again on my iMac, which has got a 500 gig internal drive, and use it for Time Machine to back that up as well as to have some room for uh, maintaining copies. So if there's something I'm doing wrong to format this 500 gig drive, please let me know. Uh, or if I need to go into a special format or something uh, to, to take a drive this large, I'd appreciate it. This is where you cut me off. It is where we cut you off. And John, you've got the magic answer, I think. I think I do, yeah. And I found an Apple discussion about this. And, and I think the problem here is stemming from, it sounds to me that what was purchased, uh, it seemed fairly clear that it was a PC format drive. Um, so I guess the thing is, you know, keep your eyes peeled. I mean, in a lot of the, the, you know, retail stores, they may just stock the Windows version. But a lot of the vendors, as far as I can tell, Western Digital does have a Mac version of this drive. It may just be that the store was out. But where you got to look, it may not be entirely obvious, is if you go into disutility, you click on the drive itself, and there would be a partition tab. And where you may run into problems is that there's an options button. And it's not entirely clear that you should really be pressing that, but there are different partition schemes. And if the parti partition scheme and the format of the partition don't click, then you're going to see that sort of behavior where it just looks like it's working and then it quits. So, you know, you'd think they'd be able to detect that sort of thing, but apparently not. So, um, you know, I guess in the case of Intel machines, it wanted to be a GUID, part, GUID partition or Apple partition, but it probably came as master boot record, I would guess, if it was a DOS drive. That, that seems to be the default. So I think that's... Uh, yeah, I think that's the magic right there. That, uh, I think that's it. So, um, yeah, you got to be... It, it, it is still kind of weird, and I think, you know, the same sort of thing applies. Um, well, does it still apply to iPods? No, that may just be the older ones. I remember getting an older one that was formatted as PC, and the, the Mac said, oh, it's formatted as PC, you want me to switch it? Right. Maybe right. it was the other way around. I think it was the other way around. I think I had a Mac one, and the PC, you know, said, eh. So I guess there's still those oddities between partition and, and format schemes that uh, may not always click. Yeah, that's right. Because you could, yeah, that's because you can have a partition that doesn't, doesn't match the you know uh, HFS or MS DOS or GUID or or any of that stuff. So yeah, it, it gets a little little squirrely. The 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 thing that really uh, mucks this all up, of course, is the whole Intel versus PowerPC architecture because one is using uh, the Apple partition map and the other is GUID. But of course, of course, well, we got to have something, right?
I got to say, so, so. you know, John, we've used uh, the the dual G4, the mirror drive door, 1.42 gigahertz G4 uh, to record and manage the podcast in the past. And it usually sits somewhere, you know, about 60 to 70 percent uh, utilization on, on both CPUs while we're doing the show. We're humming along at a cool 12 percent right now. So uh, it, it's nice to see this this Intel machine doing what it's supposed to do. So. Sweet. Uh, all right, let's, uh, you know, we've, we've talked for the last two shows and, and now again, uh, three in a row, we've talked about this multiple router thing. And I think we've answered all of the questions that, you know, I, I can tell how clearly we've explained something, uh, you know, by the questions that you and I get John. And, and obviously the first time we explained it, uh, we, we, we created more questions than we answered, which was fine. Uh, we continued that last week. I, I think, We've got one last round of uh, of issues to address with this, and and I think they're valid, and it it has to do with security, and uh, I'll let Molly lead us into it, and uh, you know John being our security geek, you're going to be the one to uh, to take us really? out of this. What's that? Not really. Well, well, you kind of are. All right, here we go. Hello, this is uh, Molly in Albuquerque, and I really enjoy your podcast, and I. Uh, Appreciated you doing that little segment on running two routers. I do have a question about uh, the order that they're connected. The example that you gave it was specific. You know, there it is again. That uh, that whole jumpy, jumpy thing that we get. I'm going to start Molly over here and, and see what we get, John. Hello, this is uh, Molly in Albuquerque, and I really enjoy your podcast. And I uh, appreciated you doing that little segment on running two routers. I do have a question about uh, the order that they're connected. The example that you gave, or maybe it was specifically instructions, I'm not sure, was to have, let's see here, like for a cable modem uh, connected to the G router and then to turn off the uh, DHCP on the N router. As far as uh, security is concerned, like my G, I need it to only do the old WEP because my TiVo only understands WEP, but uh, I just soon keep the WPA for my in-router. And so is there any difference in the uh, order that you connect them as far as like letting the in-router do the DHCP and using the stronger password on that, and then maybe a second as a secondary connection doing the G router with the weaker, trans, uh, weaker security? Anyway, just wondered if that made any difference in terms of security for your overall system and thanks for your help. Bye-bye. All you, John. So what I'd say, well, you, you can chime in, Dave, okay. but um, I thanks. would say in general, you know, you got to be worried about the weakest link. So it sounds like in this case, the weakest link is the web connection. Web is an early, you know, I don't even know if you'd want to call it an encryption standard for wireless, which really was pretty easy to break. Um, so the easiest is, you know, broadcasting your name and, and all of that stuff. WEP is at least block something. So, you know, see if they offer a software update or something, though. I think some of the older TiVos, that may not be an option, is that you don't have WEP, WPA, which is much preferred. Um, you know, it's harder to get into. And I would say in general, I mean, every time, I mean, a bridge, you know, like Dave and I have been talking about, bridges provide no security. It's pretty much, a, you know, one network can see the other. Um, every time you introduce a router... You can set up rules, and the, depending on the hardware, they can be simple, they can be complex, 
I mean, every time you put one of those in the way, it'll make it harder for whoever's trying to mess around with you to get further in. So the more routing and, you know, kind of non-public, kind of hard to figure out stuff, um, you know, special or, or bizarre ports or stuff like that, the more of that you put in the way or firewalls, as long as they don't get in the way, um, you know, I would say is it should be the general approach. So like in my case, yeah, I have a web device coming in also. Yeah, it's an old uh, print server. I should upgrade it. So that's the uh, potential weakest link. Right. Um, so that's about it. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's not easy because a lot of times you have to balance uh, the whole, you know, usability, you know, because a lot of it takes time to do this management and keeping track of things and all that. And so it's a, you know, it's not a quick and easy answer. I mean, if you've got a lot, a lot of time on your hands, then yeah, you could spend a lot of time mapping everything out. But, um, you know, I think the general strategy is make it, you know, not an attractive target and people will move on. Sounds good to me. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Firewalls, it, it and any security stuff, it's always a balance of, you know, how willing are you to be locked out of your own systems, right? I mean, it, it, a firewall that can block someone else out blocks you from something, and, and you've got to be willing to, to play that. I'm going to, we had another uh, question along these lines from Scott about multiple routers and firewalls, but John, I think you, you, I think you covered it all, so uh, there, there's no reason to, to dig that back up here. Yeah, I was on a roll. <laughs> no, it's good. No, it, it's that, absolutely great. All right. Uh, math, so, so we thank Scott for yeah, also asking something in that regard. Um, yeah. But hey, chime in if you have any more, uh, you know, because uh, uh, I think it's more a, you know, resource and, uh, and strategy. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've talked about it before, even recently, where, you know, that that was my big issue with firewalls, especially the outbound stuff like Little Snitch. Uh you know, if, if you've got it with a novice user, it's not going to do anybody any good because you're just going to get, you're not going to understand necessarily what you're reading most of the time. And you're just going to agree to everything because you want to do whatever it was you clicked the button to do. And you think you need to say, okay, to let that happen. And that's a valid assumption, despite the fact that it may or may not end in end well for you. So that, that, that's how it goes. Uh, are we uh, are we good here, John? Time to move on to some cool stuff that uh, actually you, Shall you folks have found. We didn't find any of this stuff. The first is going to be from Pilot Pete, and Pilot Pete didn't send an audio comment in. No, he didn't send an email in. He didn't do anything. He's sitting right here, and uh, you know, rumors to his canine heritage are are mostly exaggerated. Uh, he's he's actually a real life person. He's sitting right here. Hi, Pete. How are you? Great, great. Thanks good. for letting me sit in. Yeah. So, so what'd you find, privilege. Pete? Uh, a really cool uh, little app. It's uh, the the best part about it is its price. It's free. Uh, it was written by a guy out in uh, Cal State Fresno. His name's Nathan Sheldon. Uh, it's called Encrypt This. Uh, it's something that you could do uh, manually with a bunch of steps uh, using Disk Utility, but uh, essentially what it does is uh, allows you to drag a file or number of files or number of folders if you choose uh, right onto the icon that he created and it will create an encrypted disk image which you then uh, use your password and it, it critiques your password as disk utility does whether it's fair weak strong excellent uh, and once uh, once you're done uh, to mount the disk image you need that password uh, don't ever lose it you'll never find a back door in there's no way in but uh, it, it 
uh, it's not to be confused also, uh, if you're going to do a Yahoo or Google search, it's not to be conf confused with the uh, Firefox extension, which is a derivative of the Grease Monkey script, uh, okay. encrypt this. But uh, it's a standalone uh, little, uh, I think it's about 66 kilobyte download. It's real small, but real powerful, real quick. And if you need to uh, send somebody some files, uh, tell them a password over the telephone, send them some sensitive files encrypted so if they get intercepted, yeah, it's not a bad little way to to get uh, get some security on uh, something that you would otherwise send uh, in the clear through the email, which you don't really want to do. Right. So, uh, so it, it's important to note with Encryptus that it actually creates, I, I think, and it may or may not be clear, but I think this is a series of, of, of stitched together Apple scripts or something uh, because it the end result is a, a standard .dmg file um, and you don't need encrypt this to decrypt it, right? Right. You just need the password. And and uh, all I guess the system requirement is that you have 10.3.9 uh, uh, or later. So uh, any of the Panther, Tiger, or Leopard operating systems, it should handle fine according to the documentation with it. Cool. So, and I guess you guys are going to put a link in the show notes for that. We do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, that's, uh, that's how we roll here. Um, do you have any questions about encrypt this since we have the, uh, the caller as it were sitting right here next to us, John? It, it couldn't be simpler. I looked it over. So, um, yeah. And if the guy takes donations, say throw him a few bucks, you know, yeah. People spend time to make our lives easier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Shareware is a wonderful thing to support. And, and like you said, John, if it's free, throw him a couple of bucks. It's a good thing. Uh, so, okay. So thanks Pete. Uh, Andrew wrote in at, with something that really kind of, uh, hit home for, for me. And I bet for you, John, being a, you know, someone who just went out and bought a new laptop with a utility called smart sleep. And, uh, basically in his words, it installs itself as a pref pane and modifies the sleep behavior of MacBook pros and presumably MacBooks, so that if they have a sufficient charge remaining in their battery, they will simply sleep. But when the charge reaches a certain level, I, and the default is 20% or 20 minutes left, uh, they will sleep and hibernate. Now, the difference is that when a computer is asleep, the, the battery is used to save the contents of RAM and keep it fresh and alive. Hibernate, it actually takes the RAM image, the whole RAM image, and dumps it off to, uh, to disk and then almost shuts the computer down. Uh, so it, it burns less power that way, but of course it takes longer to, to arise from sleep, if you will, because it's got to reload this whole Ram image back in. Uh, there are various utilities out there that will let you tell it to do one or the other, disable hibernation completely or always hibernate. Uh, but with this, it's actually doing it sort of on the fly based on how much battery power you've got, which, which seems like a good approach to me. Did you check this out, John? Did you look at this a whole lot? Yeah, I guess I'm. That's going to have to be my introduction to the um, to the uh, Intel world. <laughs> Is that you know my current machine, of course, doesn't do this. Oh, that's right. PowerBook G4 just sleeps and wakes up lickety split. Um, on the other hand, yeah, if my juice runs out, then my juice runs out. So, right. um, so yeah, I guess it's something to get used to. Uh, but I think the Windows machines had the uh, the same sort of thing. And yeah, that, uh, Windows machines hibernates. My Dell, I just I I do sleep. I close the cover. It pulses. I have to be sure because it, it seems for whatever reason the Dell will not last as long 
Whereas, you know, at least the PowerBook, I mean, I could have it sitting for a week and it would be pulsing its light and it wouldn't run the battery down. The Dells, I find, can't last too long. I think they spend, yeah, well, I guess that's as you pointed out, you know, if you're sleeping versus hibernating, I guess sleeping, I guess, takes slightly more juice. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, it would have to because it's got to keep the RAM powered, right? We're, our, our computers aren't running on flash memory, so uh, yep, yep. They, they need constant juice. Even if it's a trickle, it's something. Yeah, so. yeah, it just always seemed to me that the Macs had uh, an ability to last relatively longer uh, in a stamina. sleep mode. Than, it's all about than, stamina, uh, John. <laughs> uh, yeah, you I know, don't know. With that, we'll bring in our, uh, our band full of stamina here and hope that it doesn't start crackling over there. But I think it's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, of course, Michael Johnston of iPhoneAlley.com fame uh, will have converted this show to you for uh, to AAC for you. And bandwidth is provided by Cashfly. That's the place that you download this show from, no matter where you are in the world. They've got points of presence all over the place, and uh, make it get down to you lickety split and make our lives really, really easy in the process. So that's. Uh, that's that. Do yeah, I'm going to be all over the world soon. Yeah, that's right. So we got a lot of travel going on. So I'm going to be next week. I'm down in Austin for South by Southwest partially. And also, you know, Backbeat Media, we have an office down there. And uh, I can't wait to get back down there. I haven't been down there since we opened the office in September. We'll tell them you're making a surprise visit. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll appreciate that. But uh, I think I, I plan next Monday, if we uh, can do the show here, I should be able to do it around the same time, John. And uh, and I, I plan yep. to do that from the Backbeat Media office so that I'm not relying on, you know, hotel bandwidth issues. Because, you know, after my last experience trying to rely on hotel bandwidth, well, let's just say that I'm happy that I, I pay uh, for dedicated bandwidth in our office down there in Austin. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So and then yeah and then I'm that week leaving for uh, going on vacation with some friends to uh, France. Look, so if anybody has any traveled. Actually, if anybody's in Paris, let me know. Fortunately, my friends speak some French, and I'm sure I can pick up the basics. I know we. Oui. Okay. There it is. <laughs> That's it. So you're there. Okay. You're there with basically the week of the 17th. Maybe arriving a couple days before. Is that right? Um, it's gonna be like a week and a half, about. So good for you. Wow, that's awesome. Never been. Uh, I, I got to take my vacation. I mean, the company I've been with, I, I get, um, do I get four? I think I get four weeks now. Maybe five. Oh. Eh. Wow. I got to get a new company gig. for a long time, you know. Yeah. That's great, man. That's awesome. Anyways, that'll be fun. I looked, there's no Apple store in France, apparently. So Really? But uh, one of my goals, I want to take the really fast train. They have a really super crazy fast train over there. Is it faster than the Acela? Yeah, it's like I think I think they measured it at 350 miles per hour. Holy smokes! Yeah, that's faster yeah. than the Acela. Yeah. yeah, well, they I guess you know put a little more forethought into uh, designing the rail network. Yeah, yeah. Well, clearly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, although I have to say, the last time I was on the Acela, it was coming from New York to Boston, and we were somewhere between New Haven and Providence, where the train is just cooking. Uh, but it's yep. it's late at night, and the train was packed. There was a canceled train prior. Long story short, I was sitting next to a guy who that morning had woken up in England, right? He flew over the Acela. He was taking it up to Boston, and then somebody was going to pick him up and bring him up actually deeper into New Hampshire. And at one point, he's like, you know, my problem with American trains is that they go so slow. Now, at this point in time, the train's doing about a buck fifty, right? That's about the most you're going to get in the Acela. And I said to him, I said, stretch, which is cool. 
And I said to him, I said, how fast do you want it to go? He's like, well, what are we doing now? He's like, we must be doing, you know, what, 50 or 60 miles an hour. And I said, no, 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 we're doing about 150. He's like, how are we doing 150? He's like, wow, that's, oh, that's fine. He's like, I've been in faster, but that's great. He's like, it's such a smooth ride. And I'm like, look, we might not get everything right here in America, but we understand comfort. You know, that's the first thing. <laughs> Those trains, when they're cooking, they just, it's a smooth ride. So, uh, so you know, there you go. That's that's my tangent for the night. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed this, though. The ultimate speed record. So France is number two here. The ultimate speed record. Japan mm. had a train. I think they got the maglev trains. Uh, magnetic levitation. 361 back in 2003. I don't so. I don't know. Oh, OK. Pilot Pete is uh, he's yeah. they got one in Shanghai, too, that takes you from downtown out to the airport. And okay. It really rocks. Huh. Yeah, it's it's over 300 knots. I was in a cab one day when one blew right overhead, <laughs> and it got my attention. I don't know if I'm comfortable going that. I get, I, I realize that they they go out of their way to make these things safe, but still, that's uh that's intense, man. <laughs> All right, uh, the podcast marketplace, of course, the A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, one free download from Audible at audiblepodcast.com/slash/macgeekgab. And PDF pen from Smile on My Mac and, of course, Harmon-E-Travel.com. Backbeat Media Podcast Network is the place to go if you want to get your ad here. And uh, we got to tell them how to get in touch with us. I blew it again. I, I didn't do it at all during the middle of the show. So uh, go, John. 206-666-GEEK, which is? 4335. Ooh, good one. Thanks. Uh, what else? com, I guess? Yeah, well, that'll get you there. Feedback. Skype. Skype. Yep. You can Skype to MacGeekGab, and then, of course, uh, feedback at MacGeekGab.com will uh, get your email to us. Any and all of the above are totally uh, acceptable. We love to hear from you. And uh, comments are cool. Yeah. There's like almost 150. Uh, oh, at on. iTunes, is that right? Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. I like to hear that. That's great. Thank you, folks, very much for the comments. Thanks so much for staying subscribed and, uh, and really making making this a joy for us to do i i don't i, I don't know about you john I'm, I'm guessing it's it's the same but i actually look forward to this every week it's it's not work to me at all it's uh i do it anyway and i'm happy to be here doing it so thank you very much ditto <laughs> that was heartfelt all right uh <laughs> let's uh, with i think with that we can we can wrap this one up and see how fast this imac wants to convert this puppy and blast it up to cashfly servers although of course the iMac doesn't make Comcast go any faster. It'd be nice if it could. Yeah, well, just, you know, borrow some of your uh, neighbor's fan. That's what I need to do. If I do that, though, I just got to make sure that I, uh, you know, don't get caught. Made up.